Hi, my name is Melissa Dealey, and I'm a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner. And during this blissful parenting boot camp, I am going to be talking about does the food your children eat cause behavioral issues? And we're going to dig into that. And we're also going to be talking about common and little known nutrient deficiencies that can impact kids' behavior. We're also going to be talking about how we got here and what's going on in our world today that is triggering this because we all know there are more diagnoses of kids with behavioral issues than at any other time in the history of the earth. So why is that happening? And I will also be talking about lab testing and ways that you can actually find out exactly what is going on inside your child's little body. Is it food intolerances? We can test for that. Do they have bacterial or yeast overgrowth? We can test for that. Or maybe they're deficient in their vitamins or their minerals. Or maybe they've been exposed to some toxins that are in their body at a level that is too high for their body to be coping with. And we can test for that. So I look forward to having you join us at this workshop boot camp and digging deep with you to figure out what may be going on inside your child's body that is causing behavioral issues. So don't forget to register for the Blissful Parenting Behavior Bootcamp at blissfulparentingbootcamp.com. See you there. Imagine getting up every day full of energy as if you were in your 20s again. What would that be like? What would that be worth to you? What is your health worth to you? Think about it. Your health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And yet too many of us are taking it for granted until something goes wrong. No one wakes up hoping to be diagnosed with a disease or chronic illness. And yet we've never been taught how to be proactive in our health through our school system or public health. As a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner, I believe it is time this information is made available to everyone. Combining new knowledge around your health and the ability to do my functional medicine lab tests in the comfort of your own home will allow you to optimize your health for today and all your tomorrows. Don't wait for your wake up call. Welcome back to the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. My name is Melissa Dealey and I am your podcast host. And I am back for week three of my four weeks talking about the topic of food. So if you haven't listened to the previous two weeks, I do suggest that you can go back and listen to them. To recap, last week I had a guest talking about how she healed her health issues by turning to food and understanding how food is our greatest form of medicine. And the week prior, I was talking about how to eat the right way for your unique body. And that just following diets that are put out there by mass media and told, you know, everybody should do this diet isn't actually correct. And that you need to figure out the right way to be eating for your unique body and some tips in there that I provided that can help you get started. And of course, that's something that I work with my clients on all the time. I was also talking about portion sizes, which is really important. And I just want to reiterate that here too, is that you know, when you're looking at your plate, you really want your plate to be approximately three quarters, your produce section of the grocery store, your fruit and veggies, one quarter protein, which is about a, 
half half a cup to a cup size worth of protein on your plate, whether that be animal or plant protein based on what your body does best with. And then one to two tablespoons of a really good quality fat, which I had outlined a couple of episodes ago as well. And if you're somebody that is looking to lose weight, then you're going to be wanting to eliminate some of the natural fruit initially because it is high in sugar. It's high in natural sugar, but initially just to reset your taste buds, eliminating it entirely for the first little part of your effort to lose weight is helpful. And reducing the starchier um, vegetables like yams and sweet potatoes, potatoes, etc., is also going to help with you being able to lose a little bit of weight. And then as well, using a smaller plate, right? So not uh, having a nine inch plate rather than a bigger plate and having 75% of that be your vegetables and fruits, et cetera, or no fruit if you're losing weight and then having your um, protein, a half cup to a cup and having your good quality fats. Um, that's just a great way to really get in tune with how much food your body actually needs, because so often we will tend to overeat in our first world countries because food is readily available and we eat quickly and we're not allowing our body's own natural hormones that will tell us when we're full to kick in and become and work for us and tell us we're full. So there's a couple things there that I like to teach as well that we have a hunger and a fullness scale. And on our hunger scale, if you think of it as like a thermometer going from zero to 10, that if you wait to eat until you're at a, like an eight or a nine or a 10, that's when you're feeling pretty ravenous and you'll take anything. And it's often when we make bad choices around the food that we're putting into our mouth. Whereas if instead you notice hunger at around a two and you think, okay, I'm starting to get hungry. I need to be starting to think about what I'm going to be preparing. How long is it going to take me to prepare that and plan for it so that you're eating your meal before you get to a seven on the hunger scale. And that allows you the space to make good choices around your food, prepare something healthy and to eat it. On the flip side of that, we have a fullness scale. Also think of it as a thermometer that starts at zero and goes up to 10. And you want to eat until you're at about a seven on your fullness scale. That is what I call eating for energy. Our digestive system uses 30% of our energy. A healthy digestive system uses 30% of our energy every time we put food in our mouth. So we want to make sure that that what we're putting in our mouth is providing good energy to give us more energy than the 30% being used to break it down. And what happens when we overdo it is we can end up eating a lot and bogging down our digestive system to the point where we have no energy left because it is in such overload that it's, you know, all our energy has gone towards digestion. And we've all experienced this. Think of a Christmas dinner or a Thanksgiving dinner, you know, Turkey, all the fixings, friends, family, so delicious. And then there's dessert and salads and you just eat too much, right? Because it's so good. But in, and then at the end of that, you end up on the couch in discomfort, unzipping your pants and you have no energy because all energy has gone towards digesting this massive meal you've just put into your body. 
And we don't want to do that. That's eating to a 10 on your fullness scale, which means stuffed like that turkey, right? We want to eat to a seven because at a seven, you are very comfortable. Your body is not having to put too much energy towards digestion. And you can, after eating, continue to have energy to get on with your day. And so what happens is as we're eating and as our body is digesting food, we, if we eat slowly enough, we can start to be aware of the signals from our brain that we're starting to get full. And we want to stop at that point because if we stop there, then there's still more food that we've just been putting in our mouth that still needs to be digested. And so that is still going to add to our sense of satisfaction and satiety and fullness but without putting us over the edge into that stuffed turkey state. And when we eat to that seven on the scale, when you stop eating, you might not feel full in that exact moment, but you will start to get in tune with your body and understand that I've eaten enough. I know as my body keeps digesting, I'm going to feel full. And so I'm going to choose to stop eating now so I don't end up over full. And one way that I like to recommend people can kind of figure out where this is, is to serve yourself less food than you normally do. Not by half, but maybe serve yourself three quarters of what you normally would. And eat that mindfully and slowly over 20 minutes, chewing every mouthful and really getting the benefits of it and using your mouth and jaws to get involved in the digestive process. And as you do that, it slows you down. It allows your brain to tell you as you're starting to get full and to recognize the signals instead of wolfing down your meal and being done in like seven minutes and your brain hasn't had time to catch up to you yet. Eating slowly gives your brain time to pass these signals down the line that you're starting to get full. So at that point, you can stop eating, maybe because you've served yourself less, you've eaten everything on the plate, or if you haven't, stop eating just pay attention to the time. What time is it right now? And what you're going to do is wait 20 minutes. Because after 20 minutes, if you're still hungry, then you could have a little bit more. But chances are, in most cases, after 20 minutes, after all the food that you ate is now more digested, you're not going to feel hungry and your brain isn't even going to remind you to look at the clock to say, hey, has it been 20 minutes yet? I know that's what I find in my case many times. And so that's how you can start to truly understand what is a good portion size for you that has you eating for satiety, for energy, but not for being overfull or overstuffed like that turkey. The other thing that I found really helpful is, of course, if I make mood food for myself, I like it, right? I want to eat it. It's delicious. I can smell it. All my digestive system is turning on and wants to eat it. And so, of course, I want to serve myself more rather than less because it smells so good and I'm hungry, etc. But what I figured out is just a little mindset tweak that if I serve myself left, less now, I get to eat it again. Maybe it's leftovers tomorrow for lunch or for dinner where I don't have to put the time into prepping the meal. And so I found that really helpful for me in choosing to serve myself less, realizing I can actually eat less and feel better and not bog down my digestive system. 
So that's uh, portion sizing for you and to help you eat and figure out the way, the amount to eat in order to eat for uh, satiety and for energy. So you're not using more energy digesting the food that you've put in. When you eat the right amount for energy, you are going to have energy left over even after the body has finished, finished digesting the meal. So some other things that I also want to talk about when it comes to food is um, meal planning. So when I work with people and we shift the way they're eating, that is really hard because we tend to have eaten the way we eat for most of our life. We grew up eating the way our parents fed us and then we take that into our adult life and it's very comfortable and we want our food to be comfortable. Food is often around celebration as families get together, et cetera, et cetera. But when we need to change it, and there are various reasons we need to change food. Sometimes we discover that people actually have food intolerances to some of the foods that they're eating, and we need to remove them temporarily, or in the case of um, higher intolerances, maybe we have to remove them entirely. And I find adults are quite surprised that they have food intolerances that they weren't aware of. And this can happen as our toxic load increases, our body hits a tipping point. And we've got more inflammation happening in the body, we've got these toxins the body's trying to deal with, maybe viruses, other pathogens. And on top of that, we're putting food in that the body doesn't love that also creates inflammation. And the body just kind of goes past its tipping point and it's like, enough is enough, stop. And so it sends you more signals or symptoms of the issue in order to get you to create change. And so when I work with people that have done their food sensitivity lab testing, it's very helpful because now they can see exactly what their body doesn't like and does like. And there's often a few ahas on that, at least for people. And so now they know, and now it becomes a choice, right? And so as I said, though, it's not necessarily easy because they may be foods that you like and foods that bring you comfort because they're foods that you've had for your whole life. And so helping people shift how they eat is really important to me so that you can be successful in this, right? And whether you're shifting the way you eat simply because you would like to lose five pounds or maybe you would like to lose 30 pounds or maybe you know you have food intolerances and you haven't really been sure what to do. So I like to help people make it really easy. And that starts with meal planning. And when we plan and we have that plan in place, we can be so much more successful than if we just try to wing it. Because when we just try to wing it, it's actually quite stressful because on any given day in the back of your mind is what am I going to make for dinner? or What am I going to make for lunch? But also, am I going to be able to make my dinner or lunch in time for me not to get to that starving point on my hunger scale and fall off and have something that I know I shouldn't be having? And very often when we fall off, then we beat ourselves up about having fallen off and we just get into this downward emotional and mindset spiral 
Whereas when we plan and we follow the plan, we are just setting ourselves up for success at the outset. And meal planning has many benefits. And so first of all, you know, if you're deciding to go with a um, changing the way that you eat, maybe you're cutting out certain foods, etc. There's many online resources to help you come up with great recipes. That's something I also provide clients with to help them and again to make it easy so that you can create a little spreadsheet, have a document in front of you. And mine is just literally in an Excel spreadsheet and you can mark off the seven days of the week and the three to four meal times of the day because there might be an afternoon snack in there and start planning what are you going to make for each of those meals and for some of them there could be leftovers of course too so it doesn't mean you have to cook seven days a week you know for two to three meals a day first of all I love having people start their days with really healthy smoothies it's a great way to get in two to three cups of um, berries and vegetables so the smoothie is pretty easy if you start your day that way easy on digestion easy to plan then you just have to deal with okay what am I doing for lunch what am I doing for dinner and you could have two or three meals that you make on the weekend that will get you through your lunches and your dinners for most of the week with leftovers etc and so when you have this plan and you follow the plan you are far more likely to be successful in changing the way that you eat into a way that better serves your body so some tips here of other benefits of meal prepping aside from just being more successful are that when you meal plan like this, you're going to end up with lower grocery bills because knowing what meals you're making in advance, making that shopping list and going and buying only the ingredients that you need and buying in bulk because you've planned out for the whole week is going to save you some money. You're also going to spend less time in the supermarket aisles, right? Because you know exactly what you want and you're going to be able to go and get that exactly from wherever it is in the store that you have it. You're not going to be in the store wondering what should I make tonight, picking up things that maybe you don't need or maybe you're not going to use later in the week because you change your mind about whether you even want to make it because you never really had a plan. You just save time because you can go into the store, have your list, buy what you need and get out. So highly, highly efficient. You're also going to be making smarter meal choices because you are taking that half an hour to plan exactly what you want to be making that works for you and your body and aligns with the way that you feel best when you eat in a way that honors your body. You're going to have reduced food waste because again, you're not buying excess, you're buying what's on your list and you know when and when you're going to use it, what recipe it's going to be used in and what days you're going to eat it. You can also um, use meal prepping for better portion control. So when I talked about serving yourself less earlier, you can actually make the meal in advance and then portion it out into the sizes that you want and then put some in the freezer, some in the fridge. And now you have your ready to go meal already portioned out for you. And so that can be really helpful and is uh, very effective in supporting weight management. You also will reduce temptation because again, when you meal prep, you are a lot less likely to reach for unhealthy meals and snacks because you already have an easy go-to meal within arm's reach. 
And then of course, reduce, reduce stress. I don't know about you, but I really don't like um, the stress hanging over my head of what are the meals that I'm going to be preparing for my family this week. I like to know that in advance. So it's one less thing my brain has to think about and hold on to as I go about my work week. And so having a plan is really highly effective at lowering the stress. And it just, it does take a lot of time and energy thinking about what you're going to eat every day. And when you create the schedule in advance, you can spend your time on way more important things like being with loved ones, treating yourself to self-care ritual, just you know, enjoying life rather than having to be thinking about what it is you're gonna do next in terms of the next meal um, that you need to put on the table. And you'll also spend less time cooking. Yes, you will still need to cook, but with meal prepping, you can actually kind of spend some bulk time in the kitchen, maybe on the weekend or maybe one evening and cook up two, three, four meals all at once back to back, get it all done. And then imagine how good that's going to feel when you can then go to those meals through the week and not have to spend all that time in the kitchen. And you'll also end up spending less time doing dishes because you don't have all the pots and pans to be cleaning all week long as well, because you only need to do that on the weekend. So hopefully you now start to see some benefits to meal planning and might be willing to try this for yourself. I definitely invite you to give it a try. Maybe just try it for a month to see the benefits. Don't try it for a week and then decide it doesn't work. All change takes time to get used to, but try it for a month and see how it works out for you. There's also some additional um, tips here that I want to share. And one of those is even after you go grocery shopping, when you get your vegetables home, you can actually wash them all then and then slice them up because chances are they're going to need to be sliced up for whatever meal you're putting them in. So you could start slicing them all up now and then put them in container slice, whether it's carrots or peppers or mushrooms or whatever it is. All those vegetables that need chopping, do the chopping now when you get home from the grocery store so that when you go to do your batch cooking, perhaps the next day, that work is all done. And let's face it, the chopping can take time, right? So you've got all your chopping done already. And that just makes the actual cooking time take even less time. So hopefully that is really helpful. And I love sharing those tips because I love encouraging people to be able to prepare really good homemade meals for themselves. And I have people who tell me, they don't cook, um, they never really have, and they're not sure where to get started. But when I provide them some recipes that are really easy to follow, and then some of these tips, they actually find they quite enjoy it. And what's really interesting is the feedback on how much better they feel when they're starting to cook foods that they know are not irritating or causing inflammation in their body. And their comments are, I thought I was eating healthy because I was buying food in the grocery store that had packaging on it that said that it was healthy. And unfortunately, that is 
a misnomer of marketing. The marketers can say what they want on the packaging of their products. And just because it says it's healthy doesn't actually mean it's really healthy. And it's unfortunate today that we actually have a food industry that doesn't care about our health and we have a health industry that doesn't care about our food. And so that means we consumers have to be more discerning and that can be confusing, I know. But the reality is, is that just because something is sold in the grocery store or any store doesn't necessarily mean that it's safe or that it's healthy. So many of the foods in the grocery store or in the center of the store, in the refrigerator section, in the aisle section are processed foods that have the chemicals in them in order to add to the shelf life and have sugars and salts in them added specifically to get you to buy more of them and become addicted. And they're very um, deficient in nutrients. So yes, you're eating food, but it's not good quality food and it's not food that is um, got any density in terms of the nutrient value to it. And so you're not going to get a lot of energy out of it. And so it's really important that we also are reading the food labels and food labels themselves can be confusing. But what's really great about what the way the food labels are designed is that, first of all, their um, list, the ingredients are listed in the order of quantity. So the ingredient that has the most in the product is going to show up first. And then the ingredient with the least amount is going to be last. So my tips are that if you see sugar in the top three, skip it, right? That's too much sugar in whatever it is that you're buying, unless, of course, you know, you're deliberately trying to buy a, you know, a sugary treat or something. But if you're buying a ready-made home-cooked meal that you can put in the oven and warm up and get on the table quickly, and you might think that it's healthy because the label says that it's healthy, how much sugar is in it? Because if sugar is in the top three, you don't want to be buying that for sure. But also what else is in it? Can you even pronounce the words on the label? Because if not, I also don't recommend you buy it. If there's real food in it, then you'd be able to pronounce the names on the label. So if there's too many of these words that you can't even pronounce, you don't even know what it is, then skip it altogether. I saw a sign once that said that when we um, start buying whole foods, we can stop reading labels because the foods that really are the healthiest for our bodies don't even come with labels, right? And it's all of this processed packaged food that has labels to tell us what's in it because otherwise we wouldn't know. And so if you are buying it, and we all do from time to time, et cetera, just read that label. And are you making the best choice in buying that particular product? Or is there something else similar that actually has less ingredients that you can choose instead? Um, and by less ingredients, I mean less processed ingredients, less chemicals, less sugars, etc. That would be a better option for you instead. So be a discerning customer, read the labels. This is really, really important because the more that we, the consumer, learn to read the labels and actually read the labels and make our food choices based on this, the more we drive the food industry to offer healthier foods. If people stop buying the processed junk 
they will stop making it because there's no profit in it if people stop buying it, right? And at this point, with our food industry being a for-profit industry and our medical industry being a for-profit industry, they're not motivated to stop providing foods that are not healthy for us as long as people keep buying them. So the more people become aware of this and realize that just because it's in the grocery store doesn't mean it's healthy, doesn't mean it's safe, just because the label says it's healthy doesn't mean it's healthy, then we will start to make better choices around the food we're buying in the grocery store, the food we're preparing to eat at home and feed to our families. And that will start to create a shift, I hope, in our food industry in offering better choices. And we can already see that happening, right? In every community, there's options to be, you know, buying organic and having it delivered to um, also just different products in the stores that are offering um, much less processing in delivering uh, meals to people, whether it's in the grocery store or even if it's some of the companies where you can do like skip the dishes or et cetera, um, or the ready-made meals, HelloFresh. Just with those, you just want to be careful of the sauces that are being provided because very often sauces are a place that the food industry will add salts and sugars unnecessarily. So they are very good for um, convenience and you know meal planning, et cetera, if it's something that you can afford and maybe you do it several times a week, but you might not wanna be using their sauces. You might wanna be making your own sauces to put over the meals that they deliver so that you're not uh, getting sauces laden with sugar, et cetera. So there are definitely options there that you can work with um, and that can kind of move you from a lot of ready-made processed meals from the grocery store to having meals delivered a couple times a week to meal planning and prepping your own meals other nights of the week. And just understanding that food really is our best medicine. Mother Nature has given us so much in terms of food that we have access to on this planet. And our bodies need this. And when we fuel our bodies with good quality food, our health is going to thrive. The problem is, of course, with the food industry being for profit years ago, becoming uh, industrial, you know, food producers and using large machinery to grow more food, it's resulted in our soils being nutrient deplete because we've overused the fields, overused the soil, not allowed the nutrients to replenish enough. And so now the food is nutrient deplete compared to what it was 50, 60, 70 years ago. And, and as an example of that, an orange that say my grandmother ate in the 1940s, if I wanted to get the same number of nutrients from eating an orange today that she got back then, I would have to eat nine, nine oranges. Nobody eats nine oranges in one sitting. You couldn't, there would be so much fiber in it that you would just get full before you ever got to nine oranges. And so this is also a reality of our world today and what's happening with our food industry. 
and there are people that are starting to move back, you know, farmers, small farmers and um, farmers markets is where you're likely to find food of farmers that is being farmed in a much more uh, earth friendly way, you know, a, a much more sustainable way in terms of the nutrients in the soil getting into the food, etc. So going to farmers markets, talking to the farmers, understanding what they're doing, how they're growing their foods is going to be a better option for you than buying your whole plant food in the grocery store. Because what you have in the grocery store has likely traveled quite a distance. And in order for it to travel quite a distance and look nice in the grocery store, it's actually been picked before it was ripe. Well, it's the ripening phase that is when the nutrients are getting into the food. And so if it's picked before it's ripe, it's even more nutrient deplete. And so as an example, frozen berries versus fresh berries in season, that if those fresh berries have traveled several states or provinces or countries to get to you, they will definitely have been picked before they're ripe. The frozen berries, on the other hand, because they're no, they know they're going straight to the freezer and they're not, don't need to look beautiful on the store shelves, they are picked once fully ripe and then frozen. So in that case, you might prefer to eat the frozen berries because you're getting more nutrients from them. So that's why when I make my smoothies in the morning, I'm always using frozen berries in my smoothie because I'm going to get more nutrients that way. So there's so much that we can talk about when it comes to food, but hopefully some of these suggestions I've mentioned today in terms of meal prepping and, you know, being careful of what you're looking, what you're buying in the grocery store, talking to your farmer at the local's farmer market, buying your foods in season, all of that helps you get more nutrient dense meals into your body, which then gives your body greater energy for you to then thrive and feel healthy and do everything that it is that you want to do, whether that's, you know, at the end of the workday, hang with your family or friends or um, build a business, whatever it is. There's so many people struggling today with low energy. And part of it is as a result of the food that we're putting into our body. So thank you for joining me here today. I hope you've enjoyed this session, maybe had a few ahas about food or things you can shift and change in your life, just small steps, baby steps, one step at a time um, in order to shift and improve the way that you're eating. And then next week, I have a guest coming that will be talking about the whole food industry, which I find is really fascinating because I have just recently finished a book that came out just this year called Animal Vegetable Junk. And if this is something that is of interest to you, this book was fascinating. It started at the beginning of time with humans on the planet and how we had to hunt and gather our food. And then brings us through the whole history up to the modern day of how we humans sourced and food and then grew food, et cetera, et cetera. And where we've gone wrong and what we need to be doing in order to get back on track. So check that book out if that's of interest to you. And thanks for listening to this podcast episode. And I hope to see you back next time. If you're enjoying these episodes, learning about your health and recognizing the power that you have to be able to step into optimizing your health, then you might like to know about my upcoming 
Health Optimizer Group Program, which is starting on June the 7th. It is open for registration now. And if you register before May 21st, you get 20% off. This is a four week group program and we will be diving into how to optimize your sleep, looking at stress, how it impacts your body and how you can better manage your stress levels, including an external assessment tool to highlight where your greatest stressors are so that you can understand that and take action in lowering your stress levels. We'll also be digging into the microbiome, something that is unique to you, as unique to you as your fingerprints. And in understanding the microbiome, you understand that it is the epicenter of your health. And in the final week, we'll be talking about the brain-gut connection, because understanding that also allows you to function cognitively at a higher level for much longer. I hope we get to a place where we can change the health outcomes in the world today and have people start living longer and dying shorter. Having cognitive function right to the end, like my grandmother did, and the inspiration for me diving into this work. So I wanted to let you know about this program because when you know how to heal your gut or optimize the health of your gut or microbiome, and heal your nervous stress system or lower the stress on your body. You significantly change your health outcomes for the better and seriously lower your chances of suffering from some kind of chronic illness. So you can check out this program in the link in the show notes and I look forward to having you join me. Thank you for investing this time with me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy or would like to hear more of. It will support me in my effort to bring the possibility of natural healing to a wider audience and help disrupt the sick care system we have today and make human health a global priority. Health is your true wealth.